the incomparable. Number 141, May 2013. Welcome back to the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we're here to talk about uh, something that's actually kind of current, which is not like me at all, because since my children were born, I've essentially not seen any movies. But I managed to get out and see Iron Man 3 in the theater, and uh, in addition to that, I I hope to talk about the uh, first two Iron Man movies as well, and maybe Iron Man in general. Who knows where we'll go uh, with my wonderful panel of guests uh, joining me to talk about Tony Stark and Iron Man and uh, all the all the things in between. Are there things between them? Jarvis, yes, is my own personal Jarvis, Scott McNulty. Hi, Scott. Hello, Jason. Just say I have 5% battery. That's what yeah. Jarvis does. <laughs> I was trying to think of something that I could say as Jarvis, and uh, all I had was hello, Jason. That's okay. That works, too. You have 5% battery. Tony, your batteries are very low. Please charge my batteries. Uh, also joining me is nobody's Jarvis. It's the great Lisa Schmeiser. Hi, Lisa. Nobody's Jarvis. What nobody's Jarvis. You're no Jarvis. You will not be Jarvis. I don't no. know what it means. I'm just we're making. No, we're <laughs> well, I'm here. Hi, guys. Thank you. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. You're nobody's Jarvis. I don't want to be a Jarvis. Uh, a computerized AI servant. That's no good. That's Scott's job. Um, hey. <laughs> And a uh, a newcomer to the incomparable, the uh, the uh, he comes from Canada, where uh, Iron Man is known by his. <laughs> generally, he's called Iron Man. Uh, it's it's Guy English. Hi, Guy. Hi, it's great to be here. Iron Man three came out. We saw it. Uh, everybody saw it, right? We're not gonna. Yeah. All right. Yes. That's the one uh, set the jazz age, right? Yes. About the rich that's, guy. That's right. And there's a hip hop soundtrack with it. Yes, exactly. And everybody is screaming and screaming. The great Tony. <laughs> yeah, that's the great. That's pretty much it. So um, the uh, I, I guess we should uh, file, fire off the spoiler horn because we're going to talk about what's in the movie. And there's actually a gigantic spoiler that I think. Uh, the media did a pretty good job of not revealing. I had no idea going into it that that it was going to come to pass. But we're going to fire off the spoiler horn here because we are going to actually talk about everything that happens in the movie. So, All right. Uh, so Iron Man 3, uh, obviously these – I remember when the original Iron Man came out. It was uh, – people were kind of skeptical. They're like, oh, they've – They've sunk to this where they've run out of all their good heroes and now they've got these third-rate heroes that nobody's ever heard of. Because Iron Man was always kind of more of a – he was important in the Marvel comics, but he was never really – it never broke through to the wider world in a way like uh, like Spider-Man did. I mean that's the best example. Or the X-Men, I think. He's kind of a, a low-rent Batman. Kind of. Well, right, because he's a rich guy and he's got his uh, – he doesn't have any powers, but he uses his – his money and his smarts to make kind of like technology to help him be a hero. But he's, he is kind of a Batman analog in a lot of ways. I think he's Marvel's Batman, right? I think so. I would definitely say so. Yeah. Yeah. But people did, people didn't know him. And so it was a surprise, I think when the first Iron Man movie came out and it was a gigantic hit, it was actually the same year that, uh, the dark Knight came out and, uh, it was a, it was a huge hit. It was very successful and people were quite surprised. I think, um, a lot of that has to do with Robert Downey Jr., who I think is about, I mean, I guess tied with J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson for the best comic book movie casting ever. But uh, what a what a huge asset to have somebody like Robert Downey Jr. as your lead in these movies because, you know, Iron Man, I guess in the hands of a boring actor would 
probably be kind of boring, but Robert Downey Jr. is not a boring actor. Yeah, he has the natural swagger that's required for the role. Yeah, because Tony Stark is a, you know, he's a rich guy. He's got an attitude. He's arrogant. He's brilliant, but he's kind of a jerk. And he's got that Playboy thing going on, which again is the there's your Batman analog, right? Because hmm. Bruce Wayne is supposed to be. Well, the difference is, is that Bruce Wayne pretends to be a Playboy. <laughs> Tony Stark just is, is yes. a Playboy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of my favorite Marvel iterations on Iron Man is actually the one in Ultimates where they do a job of just making him drunk and fatuous <laughs> and, and 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 basically a very very dangerous savant. Yeah. Cuz and and I think in some ways that the Ultimate Iron Man was used as a model for the movie cuz it, sure. it it did it did predate it and there's other, certain... other than the fatal brain tumor. No, they did. oh god no, don't even listen. <laughs> I, I prefer not to talk about the brain tumor or the fact that he's now able he talk, to... He talks to the brain tumor now. Well, and the brain tumor now talks to technology psychically. Like, that's yeah. a thing now I with the brain tumor. That. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. But okay. It's, it's, yeah, good. it's all good. for the best, it's, Scott. It's all in comics. You don't need to know. No. Um, it's. I'm sorry, I know. And <laughs> but, but that's the great thing about Tony Stark, right, is that he is he is all of that. And so in that, in that movie, what I think took the... It, well, non- it's, nice, it's nice to have a superhero who's not particularly tortured about his morals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because you have That's to, admit, like in Iron Man one, he was tortured for about five minutes, and he's all "eff it, I'm out of the, I'm out of the missiles business, I'm, I'm privatizing world peace," and like he doesn't stay up at night banging his head into a wall, sobbing about his dead parents or whether or not his lab <laughs> partners are going to know. He's just like full speed ahead. I've committed, and and it's refreshing. At the end of that movie too, there's that moment that is oh, also spoiler alert. Uh-oh. At the end of the movie, where he says, "I'm Iron, Iron Man. Man." Spoiler, spoiler. That. Tony what? Stark is Iron Man. Uh, that's great because that completely subverts the whole superhero yeah. identity thing. He's like, "Nah, I'm not no going to do that." No one must know who I am. I don't like, care. No. <laughs> Tony Stark doesn't care. Tony Stark wants the credit. <laughs> he <Right>. does. <laughs> if you are a genius who has a, a nifty flying suit and you can shoot things out of it, and 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 you are basically untouchable inside your tin can, why would you need the fake identity? You yeah, know, well, this I is mean, where we get into Iron Man three, I guess, because yeah, that was a short sighted decision. <laughs> I have so many complaints. Well, and and bear in mind, I I should add first, I really enjoyed the movie. Like, I went to see it on oh, yeah. Thursday after trying out for Jeopardy, and I and I got my I got my popcorn, and I settled in, and I watched previews, all of which were sequels. Oh my previews god! Previews for sequels. The, yeah, there's there's the like previews, not a single original. We could do a whole episode about the previews to Iron Man before mm-hmm. Iron Man three because that was yeah. I felt like I was being pummeled by the movie industry. Like the movie industry had grabbed me by my shirt and picked me up and was starting to just punch me in the face. It was like loud and CGI are the new words for good. Um, so but you know I, I I enjoyed the movie, but I the whole time I was watching it, if it hadn't been for the fact that there were two other people in the theater, I think Phil and I would have talked the whole way through it and just been like, wait, what? <laughs> but there were there were actually two other people and we didn't want to be the jerks and so we just kind of <laughs> but Tony Stark would have talked through the movie. He would well, have. But he would yes. watch he would have been watching it by himself alone. I am, I, I, am neither as into, I, I am neither as intelligent nor as loaded as Tony Stark. So <laughs> those two things work against yeah, me. Yeah. Tony Stark's loaded in two ways too. Because yeah. he's he's also, he's got lots of money and he's also drunk. But to get to him, like when when he has that scene in Iron Man three where he walks out of the hospital and he's like, All right, Mandarin, come at me, here's my address. <laughs> and and that's what I thought to myself. All right, all of Iron Man 2 was about how S.H.I.E.L.D. was infiltrating his company because they wanted to make sure that he wasn't permanently, you know, bonkers. And you're telling me that this movie, which takes place after the Avengers, Avengers, 
features a guy who has stared into the void of the wormhole and battled an alien race and eaten shawarma with a green rage machine and a Norse god and a guy who's on ice for, for 70 years. You're telling me that they're like, oh, well, we're, we're not really interested in you anymore. So we have, you know, you tell me that S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't keeping track on his mental health. You're telling me that S.H.I.E.L.D. Ha- didn't immediately like send a helicopter out there. The, the near total absence of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, they name-checked them once, and, oh, I hacked into S.H.I.E.L.D.'s databases, and that was, like, it. Huh. And and I thought after Iron Man 2, where, where Tony couldn't, you know, grind on a chippy without Scarlett Johansson taking a notice, like, you're going to tell me that, that, that <laughs> well, like, did the events of this movie take place while Samuel L. Jackson and the rest of the the rest of the shield people were at sandals for the end of the year retreat? Like, what happened? <laughs> they were it, they were they were building rebuilding their uh, broken hell carriers. It just right? makes no a, sense that you've got this glo- you've got this global intelligence organization that apparently decided like once Tony Stark fell back from the sky, oh he's okay, we don't need to keep an eye on him anymore. Never mind these six super powered people who 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 were able to you know level alien technologies. Oh why should we care what they're up to now? I think they're just going to have to get their heads together. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's goofy, but to be fair, that happens in the comics too. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, he's, he's been on the Avengers forever. And yet, if, yeah, if you took it seriously, yeah. there would literally not be any comics other than the Avengers. Right. Because why would you ever work on your own? You would just work with the, like Even Avengers. within well, the constraints yeah. of the universe, however loosely they have it. If this guy's having PTSD from what's going on, right. And if you have Bruce Banner fallen asleep to his monologue at the end of the movie, <laughs> Yeah, you know, which totally feels like fan service, by the way. Um, like yeah. I don't see how the uh, how the how is the post credit sequence ever not fan service? Yeah, right? like why don't they just have an explanation early on where Jarvis is like, well, once again, I have made Shield supercomputer into my whimpering lackey. Um, Director Fury has eight calls into you. Do you want to answer them and ha- and, and have and have Tony Stark say like, no, I don't think so, and then that explains that he's pushing everybody away instead of oh, they've just been magicked away. I, I, I guess, I guess. Although, I guess my argument would be, uh, and this is the same argument that that my wife and I have about Doctor Who sometimes is is there you could insert dialogue that explains it away. But it's not going to necessarily be that fulfilling. I guess it does check a box, and you can be like, okay, good. They they explained away Shield, so now we can proceed with the movie. And if I if I analyze it, I mean, th- there are a few points in this movie where you're like, hey, Tony, down on your luck. You could leave a message on your helmet for your girlfriend, or you could call, you know, the Hulk, right? <laughs> no, I'm just going to leave a message for my girlfriend. I don't really want to get anybody else involved. At the same time, it does feel a little bit like being obsessed about the continuity, and, and I kind of like let it go. And it's like, well, you know, the, he knows it it's a, his movie. This is his exactly. movie. It's a it's an Iron Man movie. I don't want other people in my movie. Oh, but you know what irritated me about that whole thing where Pepper puts on the mask? Like, okay, her her home has just been blown up. She is the CEO of a major corporation with a multi billion dollar market cap. She's on the cover of Forbes magazine. You're telling me that while a billion people are swarming around trying to figure out what in the hell just happened to that futuristic house, no one is going to notice the CEO. CEO of a major corporation just kind of, you know, standing on the edge of a cliff, completely unprotected with a, with a bushwhacked look on her face. Like there's no panic room that I can't believe that there was no panic room that he didn't just immediately shove her into. Well, I, I think the panic believe... room went into the sea. Uh, no, it didn't because that's where all the little, that's where all the little. Uh... Oh, well, that's true. The, the, the little suits are down. Well, Lives. the suits are, suits are more important than the girlfriend. Let's be clear no, about just, this. The just, suit I... vault must be maintained. No girls allowed. Because by the end of the movie, he's like, oh, this is what I've been doing when I can't sleep. And I'm, you know, super prepared for an eventuality. I'm like, you obviously weren't prepared for the eventuality where, like, 
your house gets blown up with your girlfriend in it because <laughs> and also oh. i mean everyone probably knows where tony stark lives it's like mm-hmm. you can figure out where larry yeah. ellison lives so it's not really all that if i want to know where he lives i can blow him up right i do i do right. like that moment that i love that tony stark's just mouthing off to again this is this two levels where on one level the feeling of it i love and then there's the logic of it that i go right, yeah okay huh because it's like i love tony stark mouthing off to the mandarin and being like hey big terrorist guy here's my home address at the same time I don't suspect that the Mandarin is out there going, I wish I knew where Tony Stark is. Does anybody have a copy of the White Pages? It's not happening, How does this Google Maps work? Your technology is Western and confounding. There is a star star maps that's like, we will take you on a tour of Tony Stark's neighborhood, right? You know that that is the case. Iron Man was staying out of it, though. So he didn't really, he wasn't bringing himself into it until he decided, hey, Mandarin, come get me. You are now on my radar. So... You could explain it away that way, right? That the Mandarin wasn't concerned about yeah. Iron Man because Iron Man wasn't doing anything anyway. So right, then the Mandarin's like, "I know your address already." Uh, that's exactly. not the point. The point is, you've made you've called me out. And You're you've in my GPS. Look- yeah. So I'm gonna get you now because you you mentioned me. Exactly. You mentioned the Mandarin. I blow up your house. Yeah. Yes. Whoever the Mandarin is. Exactly. I don't know who he is, but. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben Ben Kingsley. Can we talk about Ben Kingsley? Oh God, that was so I, funny. I think th- I, I I think this is one of the funniest and best surprises I've had in a movie in a long time. Mm-hmm. Which is, and I, I I at several points I was like, is he real? Is he real? And, and there's a scene that they set it up where he co- kind of comes in and says, "Well, what are we waiting for?" And you're like, "Oh, the master is coming. We must." Oh yes, the master, and he he swoops in. And I thought, "Oh, maybe he is real." And then it, of course it is revealed. I already blew the spoiler horn, so it's your own damn fault that he's an actor being paid to be the Mandarin, and he's actually kind of like a, a stoner, uh, out of luck uh, English actor named Trevor. Who has been <laughs> Who's told, done things on the street that no man should have to do? <laughs> who says that he's been told that that it's all an act? Except the you know the man like shot he shoots a guy in the head or mm-hmm. basically at one point on TV was he told those were special effects? I don't. Trevor is not the sharpest tool in the shed, I guess. And Trevor's not so trustworthy, so I have a feeling yeah. Trevor's just lying and saying whatever yes. Tony Stark wants to yeah. hear. Yeah. Trevor's incoherent. It was delightful though. It was just such a nice nice subversion of the. Uh, the usual mastermind thing. I actually expected him to, to for it to flip back. Like he was, he tricked them into thinking he was a goofball <laughs> English guy, only to revert to being the, oh, yeah. like the, the you know maniacal, brilliant mastermind. I kept waiting for that too. I was like, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? But they and, and I think they they knew. I think the script actually has a few moments when they're in Miami in that compound where they have him do increasingly outrageous things specifically so that you're like, okay, this is really just a, this guy, you know, he's, he's played so much for last. Cause I kept waiting for that double back too, where it's like, no, this was all a, my game to make you think I was an actor. No, he's just an, un, you know, unemployed actor. There is a bit of foreshadowing that, uh, where they explain what Mandarin means. I think they say it means the Chinese word for somebody who serves the king ah. a servant of the king something like that i forget yeah. the exact thing yeah. but i yeah like I, I thought about that afterwards where right, there's probably a, a lot of hints that you know he's not going to turn out to be the guy you think he is yeah but so so good and, and kingsley you know he does a lot of these you know paycheck movies right where he <laughs> yeah. where he's in you know he's a heavy and he mm-hmm. and everybody's like Gandhi, no, right? So it's all right. <laughs> and, and in this one, it's nice because 
because he's got that spin on it that just takes. I mean, it's just so funny that he's yeah. has got actually got this English accent, and it's yeah, it's. So, I was so, so nervous about that character because a, it's a goofy character. Yeah. B, kind of racist. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but it was so over the top in the previews. Yeah. That I was I wondered how the hell that was all going to fit together. So I think that they did a really good job. Well, the Mandarin, video. you know, Mandarin is a legendary and, like Scott said, kind of racist, uh, kind of uh, character from the Iron Man comics. You know, which were very, you know, when they started, it was a very Cold War kind of comic, and the and the uh, and uh, I think uh, you know it was a Korean War, post Korean War era. So you know, Chinese mysticism and the ten rings of power and all of that and there was always that question like how do you do that because that's that's the iron man's like that's his big enemy right i mean this is a character from the comics that although he's sort of interesting he doesn't really have a great rogues gallery and and there was the mandarin they're like oh great our one rogues gallery guy and he's this horrible racist stereotype what do we do so in the in the first iron man they're like there are references to the mandarin and the rings of power but it's all just kind of like pushed to the back and they took a bunch of that out i guess when they were when they were shooting it they 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 dialed it down and yeah. here the terrorist group is called the 10 rings and yeah that's about all the you 10 get. rings yeah. and, and that's about all you see so here we see the mandarin and they're like how are they going to handle this and they have him they have him be kind of generic and he speaks with an american accent which i actually thought was really creepy it's like what if osama bin laden was doing these terrorist videos speaking an american english clear american accent it's like it's that's really kind of disconcerting and creepy and then uh and then they subvert the whole thing which is kind of brilliant because i think that's about all they could do in some ways with the mandarin because he's not to really do the mandarin is not something you can do in the modern day because that's just such a kind of weird and racist character Mm -hmm. so they did the right thing i think um so guy pierce is the actual power behind the the uh the face uh and, and i do love that this movie talks about the media you know use of the media by terrorists and 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 other groups i I think that's a really nice little bit that they have this we spend some time in that tv studio and they've got a logo and they've got all this stuff and then you discover that it's really it's so well produced that even the guy in it is an actor but behind behind that is guy pierce who we, we first meet in this interesting um flashback essentially uh to 1999 in switzerland where tony stark is speaking speaking at a conference we get a little uh, a cameo by Yinsen, who's the guy who helps him build the armor in the first movie, which was really nice. He dies yeah. immediately in that movie. It's like, hey, he said that he met him once, right? And there he was. That was really nice. And then there's then and then he also meets Guy Pierce, who is um, channeling John Grease uh, role <laughs> as Laszlo Holyfeld from Real Genius in his first. Only is, without the suavity. <laughs> yes, all the suavity of Laszlo. He is well. He's he's the Laszlo who's excited about entering the Frito Lay sweepstakes. Enter as often as you like. So mm-hmm. I have right. That's mm-hmm. that's that guy. And I'm, I'm sitting thinking, is that Laszlo? No, it's Guy Pierce playing Laszlo, uh, who who gets Tony in an elevator and says, "I've got this great invention." And Tony is too much focused on the girl scientist woman, very talented, but he's really focused on getting her into his hotel room. He's not terribly interested in her big brain. Oh, Tony. No, mm-hmm. brain Tony, is not. Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony, you know, he knows how to pick him, right? So so uh, in the end, what we find out is that the guy Pierce has gone on some sort of, well, we think he's gone on an exercise program. It turns out he's gone on like a crazy biotech program where he's turned into this super suave kind of guy who's actually got 
uh, extremist nanobots or whatever they are in his body. Um, and he's the evil genius behind the movie. So I guess the lesson here is if some nerdy guy who looks like Lazo from, Laszlo from Real Genius uh, corners you in an elevator in Switzerland, <laughs> uh, don't tell him that you'll meet him on the roof and then not show because he'll be mad and he'll hold a grudge. This could have all been prevented. Really, just go to the roof, Tony. Or just Five take his minutes. card and say, I'll call you. Take never his, call him. Take his card. Well, he takes his card. He takes well, he two cards. He takes he two of them. The... But then he no, gives he, them away. He does the douche move where he's like, oh, I'll see you in five minutes and then holds them up. I think if he'd just taken the cards and been like, look, obviously I have my hands full. I'll have my people call your, well, you, because you have mm-hmm. no people. But yeah, <laughs> yes. they'll mm-hmm. call you. Then there wouldn't have been a movie. That's true. That's true. And Guy Pierce would not have become Mr. Extremist. Well, I don't know his... that. The, the, the Rebecca Hall character was, was pretty into Extremist to begin with, so she would have hooked up with somebody. That's true. And she, she had, I've got this great technology where plants explode. <laughs> <laughs> Barring the spontaneous combustion of plants, we're, we're okay. Um, yeah. But what I want to know is he apparently, he apparently solves this. Uh, you know, he solves the problem that, that causes a spontaneous combustion. Like you get the illusion that he halfway solved it. In, in a hungover haze back in 1999 uh, 2000 and then he solves it for real when he's got motivation with pepper and i thought you know we always there, there's always this big deal being made in the marvel verse that hank pym is is kind of a number two in, in terms of intellect and there are plenty of other smart guys you're telling me that she couldn't have found another guy to to to, to monkey with this with her especially since they still own the rights to that she couldn't have it would have been nice if they had mentioned in passing, well, I gave it to Pim, but it was useless. All he came mm. out of it was an ability to control ants. You know, that would have been huh. a nice, nice toss away, I think. I like that his company was AIM, Advanced Idea Mechanics. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was a big old hee hee hee. That's a nice comic, uh, yeah, comic yes, shout out. Exactly, like they get to have yeah. AIM without having MODOK and those guys with the, the crazy hats. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Giant awesome. head. So it's kind of a hee hee hee. Look what they yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good. He's and they're and and it's the rolling their eyes of like, oh, aim, sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Advanced idea mechanics. It's my acronym. Yeah, good. That's oh, nice for you. Yes, you got an acronym. How, oh, he's one of the big boys. How great for you. So, so I liked. I really liked the first like ninety minutes of this movie. I I, I liked the beginning with the you know we get the flashback and then we get the. We get the the attacks and and we get the the uh, attack on his house and we get him ending up in Tennessee talking to the kid and there's some really nice stuff. I mean, obviously in the middle of this movie, the whole he gets out of the suit for a long period of time and and clearly what this movie is saying is Tony is more interesting than the CGI armor, which I think is a good call. I I think that, well that was the problem number two was it was a lot of Robert Downey Jr. staring at a screen inside the machine and then a lot of yeah. CGI and it was really boring. Like well and and yeah. the end and, and number and and the first one too. I mean any time where it's CGI monster versus CGI hero and it's like you might as well be watching a video game. This was also my problem with um. Uh, the first uh, Spider-Man movie, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, is the end. The end confrontation is between Spider-Man wearing his mask and the Green Goblin wearing his little like Power Rangers mask, and you and they might as well be, you know, you're watching an episode of Power Rangers. You can't see their mouths yeah. moving. It's just there's yeah. nothing there. So here they get him out of the suit and they make him put and they put him in danger where he has to use his intelligence, which we've been told he's really brilliant, right, to figure out how to get out of it. And I thought that was a great decision. <laughs> I thought yes. that was really smart. Yeah, they, I mean, there was a, maybe forty-five minutes of a MacGyver episode, like in the middle <laughs> of the movie. Tony Stark, mechanical genius, right? Right. Yeah. The, the mechanic. The mechanic. Yeah. Like the, um, you know, the classic. Let's make the gas tank explode and 
I just yeah, I liked I liked him using his wits to out you know right. to evade the uh, the extremist soldiers. Yeah. yeah, although Tennessee, there was like one person with a southern accent in Tennessee, which was yeah. that was crazy. Uh, but I like that. I like I like the kid, which he meets he meets uh, Harley, who's the kid who wh- where it never gets it, it like is right on the precipice of being that really treacly. Oh, you know, he learns how to open his heart for the child and all that. And it, they don't go there. They don't they don't go over the edge. Right. It, <laughs> yeah. He, it's like you can tell that he does really love the kid. I'm cold. You know how I know that? We're connected. And then he yeah, drives exactly. off. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, very funny. That's all good. And, and and I like the action sequence in the uh in the the whatever is the diner or the the restaurant or something where there's the where the extremist agents come in and he's trying to figure out how to, you know, again, MacGyver it. You're exactly right. He's like, "Well, how can I Oh, I can blow them up using this." And 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 makes it all I'm going to open up the gas main and they're going to ignite it and all of that. And I really I really I liked all of that because the whole point there is that this is supposed to be about Tony and not about the suit and and uh, right. and you've got Robert Downey Jr. and obviously Shane Black who co-wrote the screenplay and directed the movie and directed Downey in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang which is a with Val Kilmer which is a great movie by the way I don't know mm. if you guys have yes. seen it yes love that yeah. movie. great movie oh yes and love so he knows to get Downey out of to get Downey out of this CGI shell and have Downey be running around himself cuz he's he's great and so the script does that and and I love that. I love the whole bit in Tennessee. I love that he's he's almost immediately made vulnerable because, you know, Tony being kind of a jerk and this rich playboy guy, or in this case, being a shut-in who's freaked out about the Avengers. The Avengers made a billion dollars. I don't know what I do next. I'm just going to stay down here, and they're going to have to come and get me for the next movie is basically what he's doing down there. Uh, but you get him out of that, and then, and then suddenly it, it, it's – surprising in how good it is being him you know the adventures of tony stark guy without a guy without a suit basically did anybody else find the 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 post-traumatic stress stuff a little bit weird like it kind of comes out of nowhere and it kind of goes nowhere last time we saw him he was just having shawarma and he was fine yeah like he didn't seem that rattled during that movie (laughs) i don't know since he spent a lot of iron man 2 being kind of a jerk for uh, on account of the palladium poisoning um it seems like they were putting down the seeds for tony stark perhaps not your most emotionally well-adjusted superhero sure and the fact that the wormhole appears to be his trigger in this one i i think what we're supposed to take away from that is he has finally run into something he can't outthink or outtalk his way around, and it has freaked him right the f out. It's not the Norse god who does it. It's not the rage monster, or or the cry or the cryogenic fossil he works with. It's, yeah, it's something it's about fact. that wormhole that just flips him out. Yeah, yeah, because it warps space and time, and he's seeing things no man is meant to see, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and he he did have a nuclear warhead that he was carrying and almost got blown up by. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? They're, they're, they're so no, like, I agree that I would be freaked out. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the reason you go to shawarma is this is the same re- is the same reason. Um, you do anything along that line. I remember one time I had I had foot surgery where they rearranged the bones of my toes, and the first thing I did afterwards is go get a blizzard from Dairy Queen. And it wasn't until I got home that it really hit me that holy crap! Pardon my language. I just watched my that the bones inside my toes get rearranged, and that's right. when the sh- that's when the shaking, the freaking out happened. And I think this was kind of on the same scale where you have the shawarma and you're like, so that was a thing. And, yeah. and then yeah, once once you know Thor takes his 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 brother back to to Asgard for whatever the equivalent of juvenile detention is and all that happens that that's when you finally realize that 
wow, that was a thing that just happened, and I can't make any of that up, and oh my god. (laughs) And and Tony Stark is never, he's not, like, uh, super heroic, generally. Like, you know, Captain America is Captain America, and Hulk is just wants to break things, and Thor is a god, and the other people, uh, who are the other two? Are there? there, They're trained soldiers. They're paid paid very well, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, he is uh, fragile, and he's not, he's not, uh, expecting this kind of thing i imagine so i I bought it and i I thought it was really interesting and kind of obviously made him vulnerable and really highlight the fact that he's just a guy in a suit so you know he's he's just like us except he's a billionaire yeah (laughs) yeah really smart but pity the poor billionaire genius i I didn't see it resolve itself like the the last thing we hear about it is uh roadie says to him right before they uh, attack all the extremist guys at the docks. Right, the book in the in the cop, uh, yeah, buddy, the cop buddy movie, movie yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> the lethal weapon. Let's just say it. It's like le- lethal weapon comes back. It, yeah. and oh, it's totally. Black, Brody's yeah. getting too yeah. old for this stuff. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> also, Don Cheadle in those movies, like he shows up in that that flawlessly ironed polo shirt, and uh, <laughs> it's just adorable because it's like, oh look, it's an LL Bean catalog model. Come to chop yeah. some henchmen in the side of the neck. I love Don Cheadle. I'll watch him in pretty much anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but that's that's the end of the PTSD stuff, right? Is uh Rhodey turns to him and says, I hope you don't freak out and Tony says, Me too. And then <laughs> guess what? No more freaks out, even yeah. though insane stuff's happening but all the time. But then at the the end credit thingy, he's talking to what's his face, Bruce Banner, and he's like, you know, I've yeah. had all these issues. So one can imagine that he's still working having yeah, but he had to. He overcame it because he wanted to save uh, Pepper Potts. But he's yeah, talking he's, about it now, right? He's working through it. Whereas before, he was like curled up in a ball in his mm-hmm. sub basement, building suit Just after building suit suits. after suit yeah. for a rainy day. What I what I do wonder is um, if uh, Bruce Banner, or rather Mark Ruffalo's performance at Bruce Banner, hadn't been the big breakout surprise over this movie. Um, if if they had been like, wow, that, that that actor who plays Thor brought some gravitas and tragedy, if it wouldn't be him, like, you know, having some sort of Asgardian phone call with Thor while Thor mm-hmm. eats a turkey leg and truly, Tony, it was frightening. Um, some mead. Drinking <clears throat> some yeah. mead. Have some mead. It'll all be better. Um, well, I, I think one of the highlights for me of the Avengers was that relationship between them, that there really was like Tony's gravitating yeah. toward the, the, you know, it's like, hey, here's a guy who's, you know, another smart guy and he's got issues and I've got issues and they, and they had that kind of thing and they, they end up like driving off together. So you get that sense that they're pals. So it was like a nice, I thought it was the right payback or payoff from the mm-hmm. Avengers of like, of course they're buddies. We saw that they were going to be buddies. They're buddies. Yay. Except yeah. buddies not, don't be in my movie. Just be after the credits. I want to talk to you about it when I'm done with my movie. Exactly. Don't help me during my movie. That Iron Man and Hunk. Right. I just watched that again last night, actually. Actually, I watched every single minute of Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. That is is preparation. Yeah, I did my my research. Um, So, yeah, I love that, uh, the interaction between Banner and Stark. It's perfect. Yeah. It's good. Oh, yeah. It's 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 a good. Uh... Well, those two have a long working history too, because they made that movie about the Zodiac Killer together, and I want to say there's something else they did. Oh, but, Ruffalo but, and Downey. Yeah, yeah, Ruffalo and Downey have worked together before, so I I think that they kind of were like, okay, let's play with it. This is how we're going to do it, and both of them like their energies are comp- complementary, if that yeah. makes sense, you know. So the the part of this movie that I didn't really love is um is that last action set piece on the oil tanker oh, oh, where all of the the, the do sex oh. the do sex machina literally where, where <laughs> yeah, yeah 
Yeah. yeah, I've got some suits. Well, he does have 45 suits. All I could think was, hello, action figures. It's like the obligatory <laughs> it's true. action climax. So uh, they do try to keep him out of the suit for a lot of it, and he ends up kind of like jumping in the suit, and the suit gets blown up, and he jumps out of it, and then he jumps it's in horrible. another suit. And, but it's it's hard to follow, and it, it it's kind of it, it feels tacked on, right? It's like, why are they there, and why is the president strung up in the, ar- in, in the armor and... For because they're going to show him on TV. I mean, it's just it that that's where. It, again, I like this movie. I would I would say I I, I really enjoyed watching this mm-hmm. movie. That yes. would be my big criticism of it is that that last thing. It felt like somebody said, "Look, you're a big summer action tentpole. You have to have a blowout CGI fight scene at the end." And I would have almost rather it been like a smaller scale showdown with the guy Pierce and the other extremist people rather than, I mean, it's cool to have like 40 Iron Man armors flying around, but it's hard to track. It's like a nice idea, but on the screen, it's like, I don't know what I'm watching. And well, you're just going to have to buy all of the action figures because I'm pretty sure there's going to be one for sure. every single one where you can find out. Oh, this is the Marvel twenty three for hands. Marvel twenty five. Yeah, Ex- exactly. Uh, yeah. And in a movie that was really all about the human scale, that was also the really jarring thing about it. Is in the end, there's this thing that has no human scale at all, other than I guess what happens with Gwyneth Paltrow, which which I kind of like that she got fed with the extremist stuff, and so she falls oh, really? into the. Oh, I- I- I well, I like I like that she po- fell into the pit and then comes back out and has a conversation with Tony where she's like, "What? I, I, just because I dropped into the 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 fiery pit, you thought I was dead? I got this <laughs> stuff in me. At, le- at least that was human, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm sure. not sure I liked the the fact that Guy Pierce is injecting her with extremists and all of that. Um, but it was fine. But that was like at least that was human scale. The rest of it was just robots flying around. <laughs> And it's like, well, yep. there's another robot. Okay. And no. it just didn't, that, that was, it was a letdown. I, I didn't make me not like the movie, but it it was like an unnecessary, just like, it's like you had three or four desserts and somebody said, oh. now there's cake. <laughs> it's like, I don't need any cake. Sorry. Right. I, 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 I say more robot cake. <laughs> more robot cake. Not only was there so many robots and so much, or suits and stuff going on, uh, you couldn't follow the battle. You know, like the, the reason the Star Wars battles generally work is you can kind of, well, not the not the prequels, but like no. in the original in the original ones, <laughs> no, like the, let's not the, go down this. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't want to get. Sorry, I'll try to avoid this. It's my first time on the show. I got to touch on evidence. <laughs> we'll talk about Doctor Who in a minute. Okay, um, good. It's the you know the trench run makes sense. You can you can kind of tell what's happening with this battle. No idea. I have no, no. idea what's happening. Uh, so having all of those things just flying around and exploding in the background, it it made the frames unreadable to me. It's a direction. It's a director thing. And I, I got to say, one of the things I think that Joss Whedon did a good job of in The Avengers, as somebody who had only directed one feature film before, is that the action is understandable. Yep. I, I, I realize it may not be logical that they're sort of like the guys on gliders doing laps in New York, and then they're the whales that are doing laps in New York. And But you, you kind of <laughs> know where everybody is and yeah. why they're doing what they're doing. And when, when you can't express that as a director your audience gets confused and that happened in this just like in um in the dark knight actually where there are those scenes where he's got like where batman's got his like radar vision mm-hmm. and there's like the dark 
uh, the, and uh, there's like the dark uh, business tower, office tower that's got guys in it. And I sat there for 20 minutes going, I have no idea what I'm even looking at here. It's just like fighting and blowing up. And I, I don't, where are we? Why are we here? Oh, it's, it's when like, the, the hostages have been swapped with the yeah, clowns, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's totally it's, unreadable. It, yeah. It's just bad. I mean, it's like bad action directing. And I know that's kind of obscure, but it's like if you're making an action movie and like Shane Black, good screenwriter, did a good job with all the downy kind of level stuff. Then he gets to the set piece and it's just like, like, there's too many moving parts, and I don't really know what's going on, and it kind of feels like it doesn't matter, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's like a, it could have been done better. I, I would argue that it didn't need to be this big a thing, but it certainly could have been executed better, and it wasn't. So it's like, I don't know what I'm looking at. It's just If loud. you've read the Iron Man Extremist book, his first encounter with the Extremist guy is awesome. It's like pretty... It's just toe to toe, and it's just a major beatdown. You know, <laughs> like it's like not it's it's crunchy. Like his suit's failing all the time. Like the guy he doesn't expect the guy to be that powerful, kind of stuff. And right. it's it's just really basic, and it really works. Like, and, that, and that's in here, right? It's like the his con- confrontation with Guy Pierce, where he's melting the suit and he has to jump out and all that. That's kind of interesting, but it is combined with this crazy like beehive swarm yes. of. Of Iron Man suits and other extremist people. Well, why didn't the suits come out when things were getting blown up and there were two other civilians there as well as Tony? Right. There's yeah. any number of things. Because that's the thing that, that I kept coming back to is, is oh, oh, so now he's okay with the suits. But when things were getting blown up and he's freaking out over his girlfriend possibly getting crushed by all the concrete and glass. And, oh, by the way, it just... The way they've explained that away is that it got, it got like, covered. And right. and, and there's that scene where they, like, the crane is like, the all right, now we have uncovered the door. And, it, <laughs> <laughs> right, where it's like, yeah. until that moment, the suit little, the secret panic room hatch with all the suits in it, because, again, prioritize the suits that's the most important thing to say um is (laughs) until that moment it's like like a cutaway of like oh good it's now available for access access. yeah i uh just to have a counterpoint i enjoyed that scene uh and that set piece just because it was so ridiculous (laughs) if i'm I'm going to a summer movie about a, a billionaire genius who can build 45 suits of armor in his basement I expect to see every suit of armor, uh-huh. and I did. So I was kudos to them. Yeah, but you didn't. How much of it was just a blur? Of, it's just like, the execution, right? It's like it's like there's that thing where there's the one suit that's like really heavy and just kind of like runs and slams into you and has hammers on its arms and stuff. It's like, well, that was cool, but it's like, where did it come from? Why was it there? How I did like, it get there if it's really it, heavy? It came from Tony Stark's brain. Yeah, I know. I just I, I like the idea. <laughs> I like the idea, just the execution didn't work. It came from Tony Stark's head, sprang from his forehead fully formed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's an Iron Man who's also a beer keg, I think, because Tony, you know, likes to drink. So (laughs) he just built one that's... So the thing is, if if you've read the books... A lot of those suits are in the books. They're, they're I did not realize this was based on a novel, by the way. Uh, well, sorry. God, really? You're going to be that snotty? This is such a nerdy show. You're not going to accept a comic as a book? Come on. It's man. not Scott's they're business. They're called graphic novels. Graphic novels. Okay. Oh, see? <laughs> sorry. It's so not about 18th century God. New York detectives, I know. Exactly. Although that would be awesome. If the, an 18th century New York detective with a suit of iron. 
That'd be cool. That cool. would actually be cool. Though. Yeah, yeah. No, that could work out. Um, Get but on yeah, that, like Marvel. the big, the big bulky suit is like a Hulkbuster thing that, that, that he builds at one point to beat up the Hulk. And there, there's variations that you've seen in the comics over, right. you know, over the Funnies. decades. So there's a lot of fan service in those shots. Sure. Like that, that assembly shot is basically a fan service one. Also, you know, the, um, we got a, the first two movies, both of which were very successful. I thought the first movie was great. I actually liked it yeah. better than The Dark Knight. I thought it was fun. I thought it was one of the most yes. fun superhero movies I've ever seen. So surprising and enjoyable, and I I, I loved it. I, I and I still love it. That that's it's it's a movie that I can that I would take somebody who would not ever think that they could have fun at a superhero movie. And put them in front of yeah. them and think that they yeah. would walk That's away. That's pretty much my husband. That's the litmus test for superhero movies is whether or not he <laughs> will, yeah. will he take it. So Iron Man 2, I think not as fun. I you know Will not show that one to Phil on a bet. No. First time I saw it, I didn't like it. I, I've seen it since because my kids wanted to see it and I yeah. it's okay, but it's really just like it's like a it's like extra scenes at the end of Iron Man One. It's kinda like not a not much of a movie. But my point here is that both of those movies end with a confrontation where it's like, I have I have a suit. I also have a suit. Let us fight. And and I felt like in Iron Man 3, in some ways, that's what they were trying to get away from here is just that final confrontation. Again, if it would have just been Guy Pearce and Robert Downey Jr. and it was like biological technology, biotech versus metal tech, uh, that would have been interesting. It wouldn't have been spectacular like this was, but it would have been interesting. But what they didn't want to do is have it literally be, you know, like metal things versus metal things again because they did that, right? So they, yeah. they were trying to do it something different with the ending because how many times can you have it be metal suit versus metal suit for all the marbles yeah it gets gets really old i would yeah. have loved to have seen that so uh, one of the reasons i like iron man so much is that uh scott's gonna like this i'm a huge captain kirk fan oh and oh. and Pandering kirk to scott. and star trek and the enterprise work best when the enterprise is totally screwed up and kirk has to think his way out of a situation through guile right. or ingenuity. And I think Tony Stark and Iron Man works well for that because unlike other superheroes, you can't just randomly disable their, their powers, right? But because the Iron right. Man suit is a piece of tech, you, you know, yeah, sure, you can... But the tech can get all beaten up and dysfunctional and the, the character gets less powerful as he gets beaten up, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and so Tony has to think his way out of situations. And I think that they could have... They had an excellent setup in this movie and then it, they didn't really pay it off because he just kept jumping out of suit from suit to suit and just well the single best scene in iron man 2 is where tony is completely helpless being attacked by mickey rourke with his crazy uh whips right mm-hmm. yeah and they and they and they run and he's trying to get away and the, the the race car gets cut in half and all of that and then they they he ends up with his little suitcase suit and he puts it on and he yeah. and even then he's he barely makes it out but that's a great scene and it's a great scene because of that exact thing which is that it's not you know he he's in a position of weakness he's not right. exactly you know and with superman you have to have like kryptonite or something like that with tony stark it's just like oh crap my suit isn't working or i don't have my suit yeah. and that's, that's what enough. i that's what i hate like putting on the suit takes planning Right, it takes a bit of right. time and it takes some planning, and that's what I hate about this. Just uh, it's in the comic books now too, but this, uh, well, the last ones I saw, uh, where oh, all where the, he the, is the, the suit, suit, the, suits, the suit pieces oh, will just either just come out him. of him or just fly at him, or like yeah, it takes away some of the the danger of being Tony Stark right. and some of the interest of the, the vulnerability you know? of the character. Ex- right. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Well, I remember back in the old Super Friends comics, Batman, the minute you took away his utility belt, he was hosed. And uh, <laughs> yeah. this, this is sort of the, the this is sort of the Marvel Universe equivalent of that. Take away the suit. And... 
You take right. away Batman's utility belt, he's like, I never exercised. I have nothing. <laughs> I'm tapping I... out. Superman, you got this one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can quip at you. Yeah. I'm a detective. That's right. I'm very good at that. I'm very good at that part. I yeah. can deduce have things I told you about you? my parents? Yeah. Killed my parents. <laughs> the, the, the things I like, I mean, I wrote I wrote a, a piece for my day job, actually, which is a little strange about Iron Man, and, and the things that I learned I learned from it or, or gleaned from Iron Man 3, and, and I, I touched on some of them, which is I really like the fact that this is a movie about, uh, you know, Iron Man's a techno superhero, and yet this movie is actually basically saying the, the person in the suit is important. And, mm-hmm. and more important mm-hmm. than the technology, which I really, I like that as a theme. I like again. There's good reason for it. Just saying, let's get Robert Downey Jr. out of the suit. But I, I like that as a message that that um, that it's about the guy. And then also when he's in Tennessee and he he talks to his little kid friend about um, about uh, who he is, and he says he's a mechanic. I like that too because it's it's you know. At his core, when when he is uh, laid low by his uh, post traumatic stress disorder, what does Tony Stark do? He doesn't actually descend into booze and girls, right? He's still with Pepper, and he's what he does is he becomes like obsessively building things. He he is an engineer at his core. He's a he's a he's a playboy billionaire, but really he's an engineer, and I like that. That it's like that's who he is. That's who Tony Stark is at the center, and he and and. Yeah. And, and he's a person, and he's got these ideas, and all this other stuff is just his. He's got his metal shell, and then he's got his like emotional shell of like, oh, I'm I'm quippy, and I I'm I'm a billionaire, and all that. But in in reality, he's actually a guy who is at his happiest when he's building these stupid suits, and I, I like that. I thought that was a really nice uh, a really nice way to handle that character. I think it's the right way to approach Tony Stark. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm always amazed when they do that, where it's like, yes, you, you characterize this person right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think one thing is, so when I, like, at the height of my enjoyment of this character, uh, sort of late 80s, early 90s kind of thing, he was amazing in building the suits and all that, but if he needed to break into a computer, he would have to go to one of his guys. Like, like he was not software genius uh-huh. guy. He's a hardware guy. He's Steve Wozniak. Literally, basically, basically yeah, yeah. I mean, these, the d- these days, you kind of have to make him software Sorry, genius Wozniak. too. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, it's the mechanical stuff is really so it gets to the heart of the guy. Like he builds things. He builds yeah. physical things. You know, yeah. That's what he. That's what. That's his skill, right? That's his superpower. If yeah. he's got a superpower, is that he's a builder. Yeah, he's it actually kind of bugged me that he figured out the extremist thing during a hungover right. morning. It's like you know. Come on, okay, he's smart, but he shouldn't be able to fix every single right. problem. Although, whatever, in, in the comic books, he's they've you know expanded his character, so now he's just an ultimate genius in everything. <laughs> I also really like the fact that there's that scene where um, Pepper comes home, and she's welcomed by Iron Man, and it turns out that Iron Man is is not Tony and he's downstairs and he's, he's like, offloaded the girlfriend maintenance to one of his machines. Yeah. I love that because he's, he's that messed up. He's that, that also reminds me of the opening of Watchmen where, um, Lori's asleep and John is putting the moves on her with one of his body duplicates while he does science in the room. Right. In, right. In a different room. It's a bad move, right? It's like, yeah. again, <laughs> the message here is don't use your technology to, as a replacement for the personal touch. Don't do it. Hmm? That, that was a really nice touch. And, um, and then the other thing, which I mentioned earlier, that I, I thought was a really great theme from this, again, is is this is a movie about a guy who's an engineer. He builds things. They're made out of metal and computers and all of that. 
who is the best villain to have. It's not another guy, although I like Jeff Bridges in the first movie. That until, worked great, yeah. Right? But it's not a guy in a metal suit. It's it's these biotech villains. And I think that says something about us that, like, as viewers and as people who are living in the 21st century, we're kind of comfortable with computers and hardware, computer hardware and stuff like that. The scary thing, the other that makes us kind of creeped out is the is this is this organic biology hacking your own body you know changing right. who you are physically instead of just adding we're comfortable like adding tech to our persons but not to like changing our biology and that's what extremis is and i think that's really a cool idea that in the movie like this that the vil- the villains are not other people in metal yeah. like uh, the, the the danger just comes at him from a totally different direction like one that Ideally, he wouldn't understand, but it, apparently he understands enough to cure it. <laughs> Turns out, cure, cure it during a voiceover, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that's a really good point because back in the '60s, it was radiation, right? Like, sure. Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider. These days, sure. it's a genetically altered spider. Right, right, and that's the yeah. that's the scary. It's, it's always a spider. And Iron Man is <laughs> yes, it's a yes. I, uh, Daredevil was hit by a package of. Like Spiders. a radioactive. <laughs> that's, right. Um, that's right. It's always the, the Fantastic Four was bombarded by cosmic spiders. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Gamma spider radiation. Stan Lee was afraid of spiders, it turns out. He had a horrible phobia. Yeah. Spider Man killed Batman's parents, by the way. Yes. Spoiler. Spoiler horn. No. Yeah. So th- the end of this movie, Guy, you just mentioned it. It's weird, and it, it, guy, you and I were talking about it on Twitter. Um, and it's funny because I like, I, well, the, the proper end of this movie. I would say there are a couple proper endings. There's a proper ending where it's Tony and Pepper on the uh, oil thingy, where it's kind of the end of that. And I felt like you could almost end the movie there, uh, in that kind of personal moment between them. Uh, but certainly, there's that moment where he's at the rubble of his house, and he's talking about basically like. Um, you know, I'm Iron Man, which is a great message, right? It's like in the end, it's me. I it's not my stuff, it's me. And that's the theme of the movie and it's come it comes back around in the end. He gets rid of all his stuff, he blows up all his Iron Man suits. It doesn't matter because like we said at the end of the first movie when he said I'm Iron Man, it yeah. literally is Tony is Iron Man. He's the important part of the puzzle, not the technology. Yeah. It bookends it nicely. I really yeah. hope they actually stop this series after Iron Man 3. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. So, wait, Money we'll, will not allow I, that I to happen. Yeah, that's happen yeah. well, but, but the thing is, is, Robert Downey Jr. is nearly 50, and uh, sooner or later, it's gonna, it's just going to start looking yeah. really ridiculous and sad, the same way that it kind of does now when you watch Hugh Jackman as, as Wolverine, where you're like, my, you're in impressive shape for a guy who's nearly 50, and then you think, but you're nearly 50, and you're playing an ageless mutant. So I'd let's... actually, I'd be okay if it, in Avengers 2, it was really like Tony was like, look, I don't want to do this anymore, and he sort of ha- is forced to, but it was not like, I'm active and at the top of my game, but more like... I think what he should do is just lend out some remote control suits. Like, maybe right. you see him as, as sitting out the fight, but he's participating because he sends out some more suits. Um, sure. Because you know, once 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 um, Samuel L. Jackson, um, excuse me, Nick Fury. Once Nick Fury gets back yes. from like the Sandals Resort and discovers what's happened, right. last, what in his absence? He's Why gonna was be I like, not informed? Yeah, he's gonna be like, so let me get this straight. While I was on while I was on vacation, we found out that Tony Stark has a massive case of PTSD. He double dog dared a terrorist to find him on national TV. The terrorist did. This guy goes underground in deepest darkest Rednekistan, and when he emerges, it turns out he's been secretly building several independent, autonomous, remote controlled Iron Man suits in his basement okay ducky this exists in my world i want world. some of them i want yeah. me some of them iron man yeah 
Sign me up. Yeah, I think that actually might be interesting. So this, A, as an Iron Man fan, I don't like any of this War Machine stuff. And right. the, even though Iron that's Patriot. been that's been uh, and the, yeah, eventually the funny Iron lines, stuff. right? Uh, a, I loved what they did with him because they made him goofy and sort of ineffective. You know, like trying hard, but basically just mm-hmm. failed at every point. Uh, mm-hmm. I hate the idea of strapping giant machine guns onto Iron Man because it goes totally I, I against agree. totally against what the character is about, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I never liked I never liked War Machine. I liked Rhodey when he was in Iron Man's armor because Stone, Tony yes. was drunk. That was great because he's like, awesome. and every man that. has to fly the armor. And it's like, oh crap, what do I do? Right. That was yeah, that but, was amazing. Yeah. Like I yeah. think they they. Kind of touched on it in the second movie, but they skipped. They missed yeah. a huge opportunity not to deal with uh, Stark's alcoholism. Yeah, I I agree. That yeah. would have been a great arc. Oh, it's been knows? magically cured by his PTSD. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. you know, maybe yeah. one way forward for this series, if Downey, you know, it, it either doesn't want to do it or that that it, it doesn't really fit, is to have him, like you said, be the kind of genius behind the scenes and have either remote controlled or, you know, or, or have, I mean, like Don Cheadle is an interesting character and have mm-hmm. him be like, all right, Tony, you don't want to be Iron Man. We need an Iron Man. I'll be Iron Man. Yeah. yeah that would that, be interesting. Be or totally some cool. other character. Yeah. Well, this that would is be something cool. they do with the Marvel verse with Hawkeye is every once in a while they're like, oh, he's getting old and falling apart. So why don't we give it to Kate? What's her face? Yeah. Instead? Right. And, and um, it actually works where, yeah. where it's a nice meditation on mortality and the question of whether or not people are more attached to the notion of, a hero identity or the person behind it. Right. And movie number three seems to suggest that Iron Man is Tony Stark is Iron Man is Tony Stark. And I think it'd be kind of interesting if in Avengers two, Tony Stark decides, eh, you know what? I'm Iron Man, but I can just change the parameters of that anytime I feel like. Right. Now, now it means that I'm the guy in the central control zone with all my little yeah. robots flying around mm-hmm. instead. Do you know what I hated? Well, first of all, the idea of a remote control suit, I really dislike because it totally takes you out of danger. Like you're not a hero at that point. Yeah, he like never. Why? Why does he ever? And we were never. We never really saw. But it does turn you into a drone operator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is. What? I mean, you're. You know, you got a packet of cigarettes <laughs> and an ashtray next to you, and you're like. Yeah, and you're in Vegas at an Air Force Base. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like we needed a scene where we saw that the drone uh, Iron Man armor wasn't as effective. Like, there's a reason why it's better if there's a guy in it. Do you know what? We, uh, what I, so here's the scene I really wanted to talk about is the plane rescue. Right. That is a daring, like, dude, you know, the this, this suit busts into a plane, takes out an extremist guy in a pretty clever way, and ends up saving, what, 13 falling people? 13 right. people, yeah. By doing this crazy maneuver. Uh, and then, like, after he saves them, just flies off and gets hit by a bus and disintegrates. And we find <laughs> out that Tony hasn't been there the whole time. It's yeah. like that, you just, that's not a heroic thing. It's a anymore. letdown, isn't it? That's like, well, thank no, you. I actually really liked that. I thought that was. Uh, but he, so here's I, the I thing thought- for me it's like Jarvis tells him that you can only hold four people. He takes a ballsy move by trying to figure out how to, that he's going to save all of them. Electric current, yeah. He's going to save all of them. And it may not work, and he may end up crashing into the, into the water and dying, basically. Except that was never the risk that he took. The hero never took the risk there. Right. He tried something that he thought could work. And if it didn't work, well, whatever. At least he did something. At least he tried. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, it just it removes, again, removes the vulnerability of the character. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it was cool. 
And yet, at the same time, it does feel like the stakes are a lot less if Tony's yeah. just doing a like this, remote control on the ground. And yeah, the, th- the, and again, the saving think, was all awesome. And then they, they kind of threw it away with that gag where he gets hit by a bus. And surely it's got to be not as good when it's a remote-controlled suit as when there's a guy in it, right? I mean, surely... Uh, I don't know. Right, yeah, that kind of undercuts. They, that. they actually make that. They make that argument in no, their I, first. No, I, Jason, I, I see. I see your point. I think. I think it would be more compelling if it were the remote controlled suits are handy for for simple tasks, but the reaction time or the lag time is such where they where, where you can't use them in finesse situations. Right. But what I enjoyed about um, using the suit remotely to electrocute thirteen people and then stick them in the water was. Um, <laughs> Which is what happened. Yeah, you know, yeah not a good idea. <laughs> um, you know, electricity, it's your friend. Um, what I thought was it was actually, I, th- I thought, okay, this is a great way actually to set him up for future movies where, again, Robert Downey Jr. is closing in on age 50 and uh, he snapped his ankle like a pretzel stick making this movie. So what's to say that he's in the next one, he's like, you know what, let's just explore the idea that... Uh, I'm taking the tech. I'm 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 taking the person out of the technology, and I I am moving it to drone operators. And I thought, well, this would be a nice precedent for that. And it also points out that again, this is him thinking his way through a problem. And there were two problems. Number one was there were thirteen people that had to be saved, and number two was he couldn't leave Rhodey in the ship, and he still had to save them. And he thought his way into a really creative solution. Right. Mm. So I, I thought that the stakes were there. Just because he wasn't physically present didn't mean that the stakes weren't there. The people, the people, yeah. the, the victims were there, but he wasn't. Yeah. Right? He wasn't risking himself. Right. I, yeah. So, well, but he he still would have felt responsible if he hadn't managed to save them. So yes, but he wouldn't be I, dead. I think that's part of yes, it. but he wouldn't be dead. <laughs> like, to me, shoot. there's a bit like, believe me, <laughs> if this had happened in real life, I'd be like, man, I guess a hero. But kind of because he didn't have any skin in the game, it feels dramatically right. less impressive. Right. To Instead me. of dying, he would have just gone back to his lair and built like eighty more suits while feeling guilty. Right. <laughs> right. That would, and that and that would have also been an, an interesting way to go. I think. So so we should talk about the the other part of the ending that I didn't mention, which is I in my mind the most problematic part of the mm-hmm. end, uh, which is we had this series of it's almost like. You know, like the end of Unbreakable, which is a movie I like, but there's sort of like the, and this happens in lots of movies and TV shows, it's like, Mr. Glass was incarcerated at this, right? It's like, let me tell you what happened after the story was over. And so we get this weird thing where it's like, and then I cured Pepper, and I I figured out how to save myself from all the metal by my heart. I didn't understand it at all. He took the shrapnel, and I was all, what in the what? Why why weren't you doing that two movies ago? Well, I think everything's fine. it's some extremist thing going on there, but they don't right, explain it at all. That's the only way I could explained. make that make sense. And I get it. I get the uh, almost. You know, this is too much to say. It's the poetry of it, but I get the symbolism of it, right? Because it's he's removing the tech. He's blowing up his suits. He's removing the tech from his heart. He's going to be a guy. He's going to not be in the tech. I get that. And I get sort of. I guess from a continuity standpoint of like not making people worried about Pepper or something. But it seemed kind of like unnecessary and sudden and i would have rather i don't know i don't know whether i would have rather they just deferred it for the next time we see tony stark that he doesn't have the thing anymore and he got it out of his heart and that we we deal with pepper not being an extremist thing anymore it felt to me that they got to the end of a movie yeah and then they were like okay now we got to end the trilogy so the pieces are out of his heart and the tech's all gone and yeah, things are look things are looking up for Tony. Like just <laughs> after weird, all this time, suddenly it's like, and then I had this great idea. Uh, I could get the thing out of my out of my heart. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, it opens with him shooting more technology into himself, right? And then it ends yes. with him taking it out. So it kind of balances out. Yeah, the meaning, the po- like I said, the poetry, the, the 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 symbolism of it, that works for me. It's him. He's removing the tech. I he's mean, injecting tech. I have no idea why he didn't do it before. Well, actually, to return to the theme that you explored in your Tech Hive piece where you talk about how um, the movie reveals a thematic uneasiness with biotech, um, Tony Stark turns himself into a cyborg and then undoes it. Yeah. And to me, it's intriguing that we are much more okay with the idea of introducing man-made foreign objects into our bodies if they're cool <laughs> Yeah. than we are with trying to rewrite genetic code to totally. cure diseases or restore lost limbs or, or anything like that. Totally. It's, it just gets set up as... You know, oh, I'm a I'm a troubled man. I always I'm going to have the metal by my heart, and only technology is keeping me alive. For three movies, and at the Not end of the third right. movie, it's like oh, I, figured, I figured that out. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's kind of weird. And it seems to be well now that I'm well done. adjusted and have the love of a good woman, I have the motivation. Yeah, yeah and then also it's extremist. We don't understand it. It's very strange. It's very deadly. These people are blowing up, and people they're killing people, and they're flames. bad. And I fixed it. Oh, I figured that out. I cured that. Okay, I mean, it's just, it's a letdown, because it's like, I guess... It would have been nice if Bruce Banner had been the one to figure that out. It's, so that, it's the guy who... Right. He's the guy who monkeys with organic systems, right. and then having be, oh, how ironic, I fixed all these people who burst into flames, but I can't fix my own bad temper. And I'm sure they're, they they wanted just the shortcut, because <laughs> they wanted the poetry, so they wanted the, they wanted the shortcut, yeah. but it just, it seemed really abrupt, and it, it reminded me of nothing other than... Um, that scene in The Simpsons where mm-hmm. where there's that slide that gets dropped in the the Itchy and Scratchy show that says Poochie died on the way back to his home planet. And they say, so Poochie was an alien? I guess. Right? It's just like, whoa, where did that come from? I, oh, oh, well, I guess they cured Extremis. Okay. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. I get why they did it. Because I like that Tony ends up completely unencumbered by technology. That's what this mm-hmm. movie is about. It's about how he is important and the suit is not... Uh, and what defines him is not his technology, but him, you know, his intelligence and his personality and, and himself mm-hmm. as a human being. Um, I get all of that. It just is like, whoa, that, you know, wait, but you told us for three movies that he could, he had this shrapnel in his heart and he couldn't take it out. And now it's like, oh, it's fine. I, I did it. That that was, the, you know, it just, it, it was. Yeah, I, was I would off, have traded many minutes of the final battle scene. Yes. For like a more robust wrap up to the. You know, to the trilogy, I guess. Right of the human. Well, again, so the human elements, right? right? The yeah. human elements were what we wanted to see a little more of at the end, and not just lots of stuff blowing up. But yeah. that's what we got. Yeah, but I liked it. So, where do we put this um, as we're as we're getting toward the end here? Where do we put these three movies in in uh, terms of sequence? I, I had a bunch of people asking, "Is it better than Iron Man One? Is it better than Iron Man Two? I think Iron Man Two, personally, I think is the weakest of these by far. Oh yes, I, I yes. liked Iron Man One so much, and Iron Man Three. I guess I'd say it's not as good as the first movie, uh, but the first ninety minutes of it is really really good, and yeah. then it's just like okay after it's sort of more generic superhero after that, and I was let down because I, I thought that first 90 minutes where it's kind of weird and dark and subversive and I liked that part of it. So I, I guess I'd rank them 1, 3, 2, but I'm curious what you guys think. Oh, it's 1, 3, 2 for sure. Yeah. Because yeah, 2 so. is just terrible. Um, it is. It is. Other than that scene with the race car and the and the suitcase i like i love that scene. i like the scene in the diner with scarlett johansson and samuel l jackson laying it out for robert Downey sure Jr. oh yeah uh, yeah actually yeah there's right. a couple there's... of good scenes i watched it again last I night i think scarlett johansson's pretty underrated in the in the franchise as a whole to be frank um she's really good actually yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. she yeah yeah i think she's in 
She's in uh, the new Captain America that's yeah, going to come out, the Winter Soldier. Two. She's mm-hmm. she's a, a a major, not like even a cameo, but like is the the major other character yeah. in that, which I'm looking forward to because I feel like she, that character is actually going to benefit from not being sharing the space with you know eight other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know, basically being a uh, Fury's little. Not, I don't want to say attack dog, but you know the yeah. the Darth Vader Jeez. to Fury's Palpatine. Yeah, well, she's been, she, they basically they, they were using her for errands, which uh, right, yeah. And you're thinking, really, this is a person who's trained who who can kill people with her thighs and speak a billion languages, <laughs> and, and and you're basically sending her just to just to check off items on your your, yeah. your get things your done. You know what? Yeah. They they did well with her in the Avengers that when they introduced yeah. her, that was a great right. scene where you think she's in trouble and then. She gets called in, and that and is just... literally Joss Whedon at his best. Yes. That is oh, yeah. that scene is him. Joss Whedon at his best. That's mm. what he does well. Yeah. yeah, she's like exasperated, like yeah, oh, come on. Plus, I plus I'm looking forward to seeing Avengers too because presumably, if she and Captain America take their act on the road in uh, Winter Soldier, then that should inform their partnership or their interactions right. in the second Avengers. And I like the idea of when the band gets back together, there are all of these alliances or loyalties that didn't used to be there. Yes, right. definitely. Like in the Avengers, uh, like there's, there's uh, you know, Cap and Tony don't like each other. Uh, right. But then they end up working together to fix a hel- helicarrier. And, a, you know, in the comic books, they're fast friends. Except except for the Civil War. But other than well, that, Well, yes. I mean, that should have just disappeared. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. No more. No more Civil no more War. War. That's what she should have said. <laughs> yeah. Come on. So no more disagreements between Tony and Captain America, please. It's Reed Richards' fault. It's always Reed Richards' fault. It, it's always. Guy, uh, yeah. guy how, do you rate the, how do you rate the movies? Where do you slot Iron Man 3? I, I think there should be no argument. Number one is just brilliant. Yeah. Number three is good. Number two is kind of bad. Yeah. And I'm saying that, like, that's calibrated to be, you know, general film-going person. For yeah. for the nerdy stuff, I, I think it's still the same order, but, you know, maybe the, the spread is reduced a little bit. Hmm. Fair enough. Scott, what about you? Uh, I would agree. Iron Man 2 is this weird movie for me in which I completely forget that I've seen it every time I yes. it comes on TV. I'm like, oh, an Iron Man movie. They get to the last scene where they're like in the swamp and there's the Iron Man and 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 uh, and, and uh, Rhodey is there and then the the like missile robot guys are coming in and I'm like, oh yeah, that's in this movie. It's like I can't even it doesn't even stick. Makes no sense. Yeah, I have no. it's very it's uh, kind of it doesn't have a coherent plot. No. I, it's just so I mean, one and three are far far superior yeah. to two. Three every single character has a motivation. Uh, even what's her name? The uh, Killian, not Killian. Mm-hmm. Well, Killian's yeah, the aim guy. Uh, yeah. Maya Henson, the, the right, right, right. Yeah, Maya. Maya. even she has a, like the a bodies. perfectly reasonable reason to take Killian's money to try to develop extremists. Killian has a perfectly reasonable reason. Well, not like it's insane, but well, you know he wants like <laughs> for, to, could, to set up. Yeah, he has exactly. motivation. Can, so, there's motivations to all the characters in yeah. Iron Man too. It's like I don't, I don't get it. I, there's a Mickey Rourke is uh, is very mad at Tony Stark for reasons. It's just, yeah, it's just kind of weird. because right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My bird. That's right. That's <laughs> right. It was all the bird. That's what it was. It's like I I give give me my bird. I want bird. Oh, Tony bird Stark killed my bird. So you know I like I like um I liked Iron Man three. It sounds like everybody here agreed that it was uh kind of a thumbs up to Iron Man three. And I, I wanted to say how jaded we are about this because think back to other superhero franchise third movies this is the kiss of death 
for superhero franchises. There have been so many bad third superhero movies. And by those terms, you know, you know, how lucky are we that Iron Man 3 was actually good? Because, you know, Spider-Man 3 is what, you know, or Superman 3, or I, you know, there are a lot of really bad third, third movies in general and third superhero movies in particular. And Iron Man 3 was good. Yes, I agree. And I think you're right. It's because they didn't make a superhero movie. They made a a buddy movie. And yeah, like with a, a little James Bondish kind of. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, they they made MacGyver with... And then, and I love I love the Christmas story crack that he gives. Oh yeah! Like when he first meets the guy, he's got those like. like I love doing Christmas. Story. That's got to be a, an ad lib. That that one feels like Downey it's just possible. did it. And they're like, yeah, it's funny. We'll put uh, it. In. Peter Billingsley was in the first Iron Man movie. Yeah, he was. So, and I think he's 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 a producing pal of John of John John Favreau. So. Yeah, John Favreau so. put on a bit of weight. I gotta say, he did. He does, and that's okay. Yeah, you know. No, no, he, he looks good. It's just he, it, it, he, the character is drastically different from the first. We movie. didn't even mention that the, that John Favreau's character has been put in charge of uh, security, and he's super paranoid. Although it turns out that he's right to be. Yeah, but yeah. that that, that led to some very some yeah. funny moments of yeah. him being, you know, everybody like, oh yes, happy, whatever, you know. I loved like, his little badge? The nineteen ninety nine fart though. Oh, the little moment was delightful. <laughs> yeah. You know what? One of the uh, one of my favorite lines because I watched it yesterday from Iron Man two was. Uh, Tony starts he, – he, he gets in the racing car. He gets in the, the, the Formula One car. Right. And you see the, uh, the driver, the designated, designated driver, like throw his helmet down all pissed off. Um, and Pepper's starting to realize. And so she says to Scarlett Johansson's character, uh, whatever, Black Widow. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Natasha, whatever. Natasha. And she's under a yeah. pseudonym. And yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Natalie at that time. Natalie. Natalie. Uh, Natalie, get me happy. I need happy. And I'm like, that's such a perfect line. Like, I just love, I love that character. Everything about bring happy, me some happy, bring me some happy. Everything about Happy Hogan makes me happy. Yeah. Well, he he gets the he gets Tony the Burger King uh, hamburger. He's awesome. In, uh, he's he's awesome. Yeah. You know, I I was listening to somebody talking about uh, Iron Man and and talking about product placement in general, and they mentioned that scene. They were ranting about how. He goes and Get he, he gets back from his he gets back from his uh, his uh, time in Afghanistan and he ends up with this Burger King wrapper and it's like they said oh it's shameless product placement it's like I love that I love that shameless product placement because it's so fun it's funny it's like he wants a hamburger they they do drive through in the limo on their way to the press conference it makes me laugh I don't That's- know dude if I were trapped in a cave in Afghanistan and then I had to and then I was back in those I'd, I'd be all in and out please get me yeah. some in and out yeah. you know I mean. <laughs> Well, I think the point was he just didn't care. It's just get me a burger. Maybe Tony Stark's taste buds are killed by the alcohol, and he thought that uh, you know yeah. he thought that hey, uh, Burger King is what Burger I want. King, yeah. Yes, Burger King is what I want. There is so much Oracle mention. There's so much Oracle product placement. It's crazy. Oh yeah. So so in this yeah, movie, Greg yeah. Nuss points out that that at the end, um, Tony upgrades the kids' uh, shack to FiOS, <laughs> to which Fios, is very yeah. funny. And then the Oracle. I am searching the Oracle cloud now. That was also I'm, very funny. But Tony well, Stark I, is they're sort oh, of based on Larry Ellison. Was that product anyway, placement? Right? Was that yeah. yeah. Oh, because I thought it was yeah. a. I actually thought it was a shout out to DC Comics. No, no, that's yeah, it's all part of it. was even in the second one. He makes an appearance at some point. Yeah, him and uh, and uh, Elon Musk yep. are like the two kind of models for Tony Stark uh, in some ways. Uh, it's funny because yeah. he blows them both off, which is yeah. Oh yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. But yeah, there's the up to the Oracle Cloud, and there's magical cloud things happening, and then yeah, the kid gets FiOS at the end. I actually got an email from somebody who. The people of whatever city in Tennessee that's supposed to be 
their their chamber of commerce sent out actually a press release i'm not kidding that was like we have fast internet access here i don't know what this movie is it's like no that wasn't the point it's the kid the kid doesn't have fast they get fios at the end you've got fast internet the kid didn't have it and now he has it he has fiber optics thank you verizon that's crazy the kid also has a crazy like he gives him a crazy car like a car yeah that's like the city sending out things like no we have cars here Yes. <laughs> yeah. And also, this kid can't drive. Internal combustion has reached our fair city in, t- in Tennessee. Yeah. Along with extremist agents. Well, so uh, I think this was a successful episode of The Incomparable, and I think it was a successful movie, which is nice because it, it could have been so much worse. But it was good. It was fun, and it, it's not, you know, maybe Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which, like I said, is a really great movie directed by Shane Black, starring oh, Robert should- Downey Jr. Absolutely, go watch that. Go watch that. And Val Kilmer of Real Genius fame in another great, very different, but very great part. Well, so this was great. I want to thank you guys for coming on and talking about Iron Man with me and about Tony Stark. He is Iron Man, whether he's in the suit or not. Uh, And and thanks, of course, to everybody out there listening to The Incomparable. Um, So I'm going to, as is my custom, I'm going to thank my guests individually uh scott mcnulty thank you for being on an episode and not one involving books which is shocking but you do occasionally go see movies and watch television shows so thank you it's true i don't read comic books generally no but uh i don't put them down they are a valued (laughs) and uh inspirational form of art uh just not for you just not for me that's fair enough fair enough i don't know where to start there's so many i I get it too much we'll get you a list and then you can ignore it that's fine (laughs) lisa schmeiser thanks again for being here it was my pleasure as always, it was great to have you. And Guy English, it's been a while that, that we've been talking about maybe someday having you on the podcast. I, I, I was almost at the point where I was accepting that, like, you know what? I'm never going to be on. Never going to be on. No. And maybe that's okay. Maybe, you know. That's the moment. That, it's just like when Tony accepts that he has to blow up the suits and because the Iron Man lives within. The moment you realize that you're never going to be on the podcast. Right. Merlin Mann just learned this. That's the moment where you actually... I know. Yeah, I'd like to thank Merlin for breaking the glass ceiling and yeah. you know, getting us both on. <laughs> sure. Sure. Get, that, get, get those first timers on the podcast. Okay. It's always good. But this was, this was great. So thanks to you guys and thanks to everybody out there for listening to The Incomparable. Until next time, I am your host, Jason Snell. Uh, We'll see you later. 